Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. I'm going to miss that cute little song, but uh, we love the Christmas. Thank you guys. Let's, let's encourage our band again. That was a lot of work. We appreciate all of that. And ladies, thank you for the beautiful dance. You already changed. Uh, that awesome, awesome. And, and elders, we love seeing you up there. I tell you, Baptists and candles, they just don't mix. We're going to have to figure out something different. Maybe we'll, we'll rent a flamethrower next year. That'll, that'll, that'll be easier. But thank you guys for doing that. We appreciate that. Christmas is so awesome. Advent is so awesome. We, we anticipate we excitedly anticipate what is coming. And if you saw four candles lit and there's only four Sundays of Advent, that must mean that in just a few more night nights, <laughs> we get to light the white candle. Christmas is almost here. Can you feel the anticipation? If we were to run back into the kids' zone, I know you could feel the anticipation. And that's what it's all about. And, and so in the middle of this time full of anticipation and expectations, it's really hard to maintain the focus that God wants us to have. There's all kinds of stuff bombarding us with advertising and, and family gatherings and gift buying and, and not enough money to finish out the month. All this stuff that is dragging us down and pulling at our attention. How in the world do we focus on what's truly important? Even, even at that first Christmas, in the story of the first Christmas, we found some, some Bible characters that had the the wrong focus. You remember we talked about Zechariah. His focus is more on, on tradition or on religion or on his comfort zone, things that he had done his whole life. It was hard to switch gears and to focus on a, a living relationship to the God of the universe. And then we even talked last week, you remember about that, that evil guy, Herod. His, his focus was all off. It was all on himself and, and building his own kingdom. So even in the Bible times, there was the wrong focus. This week, this week we're going to talk about some characters in the Bible story, in the Christmas Bible story, that also, also had a, a, an off focus. No, they weren't shaking their fist at God. They weren't living in open rebellion to his word. It wasn't anything like that, but their, their focus wasn't what it should have been. Their focus was more on, on what they're doing, kind of the daily grind, getting up and working all day and falling into bed, no margin left over at the end for anything, just day in and day Day out, not on religion, not on wealth, not on greed, but just that nose to the grindstone. Another day, another month, another year, and there's just no time left for anything else. Have you ever been there? <laughs> Maybe you're in that phase of life right now when, when there's no margin, there's no time, there's no energy, there's certainly no money left for building the kingdom of God or focusing on what God would truly want us to focus on. And we're not focused so much on ourselves, but just getting through, not even, not even thriving. We're just trying to survive. Well, the character we're looking at, as you probably guessed, are the, the shepherds. And right in the middle of their life, as they were just getting up and getting at it and falling tired into bed at night, very late at night, suddenly God bursts into their life. He bursts into the world, and it changed everything. God breaks into their world on a dark night on the edge of town 
with stars to be seen and nothing else. There were angels and there was light and there was heavenly hosts and there was glory all around. It was the most powerful experience any of them had ever experienced. But even more important than that, than that show, than that spectacle, than the experience was the message that those angels brought. That message changed their lives. That message continues to change our lives today. It changed all of their lives, and it changed the history of the world. Here's my question. What if God wants to break into your world and my world, our world today, with that same powerful, life-changing, incredible message? Would we even know he's there? Or are we so focused on the daily grind? Are we so focused on the day-to-day? Are we so focused not on, on, on unnecessarily bad things, just things? Our, our, our life is over full. How in the world can we hear from something that's coming in? How would we know if Jesus were to show up today? Well, we're going to dig into their life and dig into their story, and I believe we're going to understand better how we are to recognize that and to get excited about it and allow God to change our lives just as he changed their lives. So open up your Bible with me to the Gospel of Luke, the famous story in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse number 8. We're going to read their whole story all the way through, and then we're going to go back kind of bit by bit, understanding what it looked like for them to have this kind of life-changing experience to better understand how we can have that same experience today. So go ahead and grab your Bibles. You can look on the screen. You could even aim your, your phone at the QR code and get the notes there. Luke chapter 2, let's start in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. Nothing new. We've seen this before. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Jump down to verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has just told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was still lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning all that had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, remember that, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So that's a story probably not new for any of us. In fact, if you're sitting in a church building the Sunday before Christmas, this is probably the story you've heard before and expected to hear today. Because it's so known, let's dig in and better understand how God worked in the lives of these shepherds, because I believe he wants to work the same way in our lives today. So number one, let's dig into the shepherds. Just, just verse eight real quick. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So these are the shepherds. These are the ones that God goes to first with the most incredible news the world had ever heard. Wait, what? Shepherds in a field 
This is, the last, this is the last place any of us would have chosen. Why in the world would God, with the biggest news, the, the most history-changing news anyone had ever heard, why would go, God go out to the middle of a dark field, not even, not even in Jerusalem, not even in a suburb of Jerusalem, Bethlehem, but outside of the suburbs? I mean, we're talking not even Punta Gorda. We're talking like Northport. I mean, like way out of town. And that's where God decides to start. I mean, can you imagine this? The Bible says an angel. Now, we don't know his name. He's kind of unnamed. But can you imagine the, the honor he felt? God had been talking about this moment for, for centuries, since the beginning of time up in heaven. All the angels knew that one day God was going to break into history and change everything. And one day, one angel would be chosen to bring that news to the world. So when God taps this angel and says, okay, you're the one I choose to go and give this message. Can you imagine the excitement? He was, he was giddy with excitement. He said, yes, Lord, anything, anywhere, tell me. So God sends him the coordinates. He punches it into a little Apple phone. And he, well, you, you, you know, in heaven, they only use Apple products. So he, he no, actually just the opposite. So he punches into his GPS. He heads out and says, wait a minute. This is, God, Lord, this is a field. Maybe there's some mistake. Maybe I wrote down the coordinates wrong. This can't be right. This isn't, this isn't a city center. This isn't the temple courts. There's no big revival tent set out in the middle of the field, in the middle of revival. They're having worship service. I'm going to show up with a bunch of believers. They're ready and waiting and hoping to get this news. This is the middle of the field with a bunch of sheep, maybe a couple shepherds. Lord, are you sure? This doesn't make sense. There had to be a better way. Let me tell you about the shepherds first. Maybe you'll understand. The Bible says they were living in the fields, not visiting, but they were living out there. If you're living in a field in the middle of the night on the outskirts of the outskirts of Jerusalem, you're not the landowner. The landowner is home, safe and sound, is warm, comfy bed. These guys were, were probably slaves, maybe servants. At best, at best, they were the night shepherds that, that got very low minimum wages. They were kind of on the outskirts of the Jewish society. They, they, they couldn't really go to the temple rituals. They couldn't really participate in the holiday services because they were so busy. They were working 24-7 just to get by, just to pay the bills, just to support and, 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 and provide for their families. So, so they weren't able to be a part of the community of faith. Nobody knew them. Nobody related to them. They smelled funny. They were out there on their own, wandering, and not only that, no one trusts them. These guys would wander wherever their, sheep's need, their sheep needed fresh grass or water. So anywhere they went, they were new in town. They were never trusted. They were never known. They were never an insider. In fact, if anything ever went missing at home or on your farm, the word spread fast. The shepherds are nearby. It must be one of those stinking shepherds. This is who God goes to first with the greatest news he's ever told humankind. They were unlikely. They were untrained. They were unskilled. And they were unknown. I mean, even to themselves, they were unknown. I believe no one was more shocked that the God of the universe brought the most important news anyone had ever heard in the history of the world. I bet they were more shocked than anyone that he chose them to start with. Unless, unless God was looking for that one people group that would understand from the very first word of that powerful message 
that this message that is coming to me, this message that is coming to my heart, this message that I am to transmit to others, that this message is greater than me. They understood their lowly, their humble, their place in society and their relationship to the God of the universe. You see, the, the religious elite, they had just the opposite problem. Oh, God was sending messages. God was sending words. God was sending prophets all along. For centuries he had. And the religious elite, they decided when and how and who got to transmit and who got to hear that powerful message. The shepherds did not have that problem. They understood from the very first word out of the mouth of the angel, that is greater than me. I will be subject to that, and I will go wherever that message leads me because the message is what changes the world and not me. Secondly, there was a change that happened in these shepherds' lives. Look at verses 9 and 10. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. Again, nothing new. We hear this over and over and over again in the Bible. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So, so this is the change that happens. This, this angel, this, this single unknown angel, unnamed angel, was sent with this wonderful, life-changing news that would change their lives and as they transmitted this message to others, would change other lives right up to this, to this day, 2,000 years later. This is what happens. This is how God worked. Remember with me for a second. Some of you have been around church for a while, decades, four decades, five decades, maybe even six or seven decades. Remember with me for a moment. Who was, who was your angel? Who came to you with this powerful, life-changing story and told it to you with the boldness, the clarity, the passion, the glory of God that this angel used to share that message that changed the lives of the shepherd? Who was that person? Where were you? Oh, you probably weren't out in the middle of a field in a dark night. Maybe you were, but, but where was that place? Who was that person? Just think for a moment. For me, it was fourth grade Sunday school class. If you've been around church for a long time, you remember Sunday school. That's what, what kids and, and even chronos would go to before church service. And, and my Sunday school teacher, her name was Mrs. Reader. She had been the fourth grade Sunday school teacher for decades. As I came along, it was kind of the end of her tenure, just shortly before she got to go home, home, home. And she had poured into the lives of countless young boys and young girls. And every Sunday, she would share that same gospel message. And on one particular Sunday, when I was in fourth grade, that same message that I'd heard before from my mom and from my dad and from my family and from the pastor, on that Sunday, it clicked. And it changed my life forever. May I give a little sidebar here? We have the opportunity right behind me Every week, more and more and more children are coming. God is blessing with us more and more and more young families and more and more kids. We need more Mrs. Readers and Mr. Readers pouring into the lives. The, the, the guys that are my age, that are serving in churches and, and mission field and other places, I'm pretty sure most of us could point to a Mrs. Reader in elementary school kindergarten or Sunday school who pointed them to Jesus and they are changing the world because someone like you served for an hour on Sunday morning. I wonder if you are our next Mrs. Reader in 2023. 
We must not underestimate the power that children's volunteers have in the lives of our church today, but even in the future of the kingdom of God. Real life change happens because someone boldly proclaims the good news message of Jesus Christ. How do we know that these guys were changed just because they, they heard that message? Well, the Bible says very clearly, upon hearing this message, they couldn't contain themselves. They couldn't stay put. They had to run to, to Bethlehem. They had to seek Jesus for themselves. And then they had to share this gospel message with anyone who would listen. They followed the command to go and to seek. They couldn't keep it to themselves. They had to tell all. This sounds a lot like that story in the, in the, in the book of Acts. You remember Peter and John, they, they were out preaching like they always did. And the, the Jewish, the, the religious leaders threw them in jail, said, stop talking about this Jesus. They said, we can't. They said, if you don't stop, we're going to kill you. then you're going to have to kill us because we can't stop talking about Jesus. This is what happens when people are profoundly, radically saved by the powerful message of the good news of Jesus Christ. It was completely natural for them and for Peter and for John and all the other apostles and so many other believers like you and I say, it is completely natural to run out and talk about it. Church, in the Bible... Every time we read about it, it was completely natural, very much expected, totally normal for people to hear this message, experience life change, and run out and talk about it. What's going on today? Why is it such a challenge for us? Are we concerned that, that, that maybe this is old news and, and yesterday's news? They've already heard it before. Are we concerned that maybe when we go out, we might be rejected and that hurts our feelings? Or maybe, maybe we are comfortable right where we are, asleep like the landowners in the story where we are and we're uh, happy to let someone else go and to tell or maybe... Maybe we have never had this life-changing experience that the shepherds had just had. Maybe we are professing something that we do not ourselves possess. Folks, let me make this very clear. We're coming up to the end of the year. We're about to start a new year. I want to make this super, super clear for everyone, even you online. This is not a country club. We're not putting on a show for your entertainment. We're not having events to make you happy and keep you coming back. So you provide the necessary monetary support so we can keep the lights on, the air conditioning running. This is not a country club, nor is it a fan club. Jesus doesn't need any more fans. He doesn't want your likes on Facebook. This is an army. This is a people of God completely sold out, all in, prayer warriors, radically saved, with a bold witness, living an open-fisted life. That is who we are. That is where we are going. And if you are in, join us with all your heart. If not, Come talk to me or Pastor Chuck, Pastor Philip, Pastor Matt. We can help you understand how in God's word, this is what God is calling us to do as believers. Thirdly, the message. Let me look at verse 11 and 12. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. There is a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So this was the message. Don't miss this. This is super important. In fact, for those of you that might, as we just said, 
might be in danger of professing something you do not yet possess yourself. This is super important. This is a message that changed their lives. This is a message that is changing the world. You want to get this right. The Bible says he was born this day, today. Now, for the shepherds, that was literally true. He was literally born that same day. That's why the angels were there that day. But for you and for me, he is born this day, today, for you and me, not, not tomorrow, you know, in the future, when, when I kind of get everything all organized, when I kind of clean up my life and my, my own junk and, and kind of get that out of the way, I'm ready. Okay, God, I've got the kids out of the house. I've, I've, got, I've got the house paid off. I, I'm retired now. I have a little extra time. I give you about an hour and a half a week. I'm ready. No, no, this is today. This is also not yesterday. This is not the faith of your grandma. No, one, no one's grandfathered into heaven because your grandparents really believed in Jesus. This is the faith of today. Today, what you need right now, today, in the city of David, that's where they were, Bethlehem, the city of David, that's the name of it. It was not only right now, but right here, right here, not, not above you, not below you. Jesus has your number. He has your address. The Bible says, in fact, he is knocking on the door of your heart. He knows where you live. It is personal for him. He wants to know you right here. And the Bible says he's our savior. Savior. Savior from what? What do I need saving from? We live in America, the, the free nation. I don't need saving from anything. I can take care of myself. How's that going for you? From sin, from shame, from guilt, he's saving you from yourself. You cannot save yourself. You and I, we all need a savior. He is that savior. He will wipe away every tear. He will wipe away every sin if we repent, if we believe in him. That which is seeking to devour you, that which is seeking to destroy you, he saves you from that. And then he is our Lord, the Bible says right here. He is our Lord. He is not your co-pilot. If I walk out there and find one of those bumper stickers, I'm going to get my spatula and I'm going to start scraping it off. God is nobody's co-pilot. He's either your pilot or he's nothing. He doesn't sit He's not your shawty. He doesn't listen to what you want. He takes the wheel. When you are saved, you hand God the steering wheel of your life, and he calls the shots. He is in charge. That calls for faith. That calls for trust. That calls for belief. That calls for obedience. And then, and then as soon as they understood and believed that message, they went straight for the task, what God was calling. Look at verses 15 through 18. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This is the task. This is what we are to be about. Just like the shepherds, we are to be about that same task. Let's go to Bethlehem, they said. Well, going to Bethlehem is great. It's following the command of God, following Jesus, seeking Jesus. I get all of that. The problem is, what's going to happen with the sheep? I mean, that's, that's unwise, that's irresponsible. That's, that, that, that's, that's even dangerous. It's almost like that story that comes up a few chapters later in the same gospel, the gospel of Luke. God, uh, Jesus is telling a parable about a shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go hunting after the one that is lost. Hey, that's, that doesn't sound wise. 
That doesn't sound responsible. That sounds dangerous. Unless we understand that when God calls us to go, no, we're not throwing all caution to the wind, but we are entrusting God with the things that are important to him. God, I'm going to do what you have called me to do. I trust you to take care of the things that I'm no longer able to do. Now, they had many other options. When they had heard this message, they could have responded in different ways after seeing angels and and choruses and and glory of God out in the middle of a dark field on a dark night. They could have said, wow, no more tequila shots for us or uh, no no more spicy food after 9 p.m. Or even worse, they could have said nothing. They could have begun rationalizing looking for a logical explanation. They could have been internalizing all of that, putting off any response until later when things settled down. Houses were paid off. Children were out of the house. There's more free time available. And when I feel ready, then I will go, but not them. They ran off in that moment. They found the baby in a manger, in a stable, not in a hospital, not in a palace, not even in the temple, not even in an Airbnb. Where would you find Jesus if you were to go looking today? Where would you find the Son of God if he were to come today? If we found him in a stable, we'd probably call the cops, maybe DCS, because that's not right. But God says, that's exactly what I want. It was so specific. It had, been, had it been a palace, these shepherds never would have entered. They wouldn't have felt comfortable. But because God sent his son to a stable, whether it was shepherds or wise men or accountants or school teachers or stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads, All of them felt comfortable entering and being with Jesus. We humans, we build cathedrals for God to live in. He sent his son to a stable. And then they spread the message. They weren't too cool to talk to their friends about it. They they didn't uh, uh, overthink it and talk themselves out of it. But they were so exuberant, so passionate, they couldn't stop. They were probably still reflecting the glory of God as they were talking to those first folks that were listening. Everyone who was confronted by this powerful message with compl- from completely sold-out believers, the Bible says they were amazed. Jump to 2022. What if God wanted to do the same thing here this Christmas? How would our neighbors, how would our friends even across the street, how would your family members even know to come and to hear? Well, I'm glad you asked. On your seats were these cute little invites. There's probably one per seat. We have plenty more back there. Here's my challenge. I'm challenging each one of you to take two of these. And don't leave them somewhere, but take two. Spend today and tomorrow, maybe even Tuesday, praying about it. God, who would you have me invite? Exuberantly, passionately sharing an invitation from a heart that already knows Jesus to one who needs Jesus. Share this invitation for, to, with them for, for our Christmas Eve service and the services coming up after that. Not, that. not that coming to church makes you a Christian. Please don't hear me say that. But it gives them an opportunity to, to experience the family of God, experience the presence of God, and hear the word of God being preached. So please, I challenge you, grab two of these today, and before you leave, purpose in your heart to share those with others. And then finally, then finally, verse 20, the Bible says the shepherds returned, in my opinion, the craziest part of the whole story. Let me read it to you. Verse 20. 
the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They came back. I mean, remember what we said about the shepherds. We kind of kind of went on and on about the lowly, simple, humble shepherds. I painted a pretty dismal picture about their life and where they came from. And now they're being used powerfully by God as the first ever missionaries, evangelists in the history of the New Testament. I mean, they're as, as hot, flying as high as they've ever flown in their entire lives. And they went back? I mean, I, I would have expected them to, to just keep on going. I mean, just keep on running from one village to the next, from one town to the next, from one country to that. They could have been the first international missionaries. They could have been the first church planters. They could have been all of those things. But they came back. They came back, but they didn't go back to their old life. They didn't go back to business as usual. They didn't go back to life as usual. Yes, they came back, but they came back changed. Sure, there was still sheep poop to gather, and there were still bills to pay and families to provide for, and that crazy hours that went along with the job they had. There was all of that, but they came back changed, the Bible says. Did you hear those two words? Glorifying and praising. Let's dig into that for a moment. The word glorifying is, is actually a, an original Greek word that means doxazo. And what it means is to esteem or to value God higher than anything else. So if, if you picture in your mind, you would, you would take God from whatever place you've put him, or maybe that he's had no place in your life at all. But then you would place him on the very throne of your life. That's what these guys did. As they returned, sure, they were still scooping sheep poop. Sure, they were still providing. Sure, they were still working. But something had changed. Now God was on the throne of their lives. God called the shots. They didn't do stuff and think about it later. They ran everything past him first. God, is this your will? God, would you have me go there? God, would you have me stay here? It was clear to them and to everyone else that God was in control. And then secondly, the Bible says they were praising God. God. Well, that's partly what we do here with our praise band. We sing songs. That's uh, something I love, but I get it when it's not everyone's thing. This is more than that. Praising God means to, to, uh, to worship and to adore, but to do it in an audible way, out loud. They were not just thinking good thoughts about God. They were not privately, secretly living out their faith, but they were large and they were bold and they were out loud about their faith. There was no place for secret service Christians in those days. They were living out their faith so that others would hear and know about it. There was no one in their world that didn't understand that they were believers, not just on, on Sunday morning, but all through the week. It's like the, the teenager that went to apply for a job over at Publix. He had to give two references, and he gave his pastor's name and his youth pastor's name, and the, the lady that was doing the interview said, well, that's fine, young man, but can you give me the name of someone who knows you on a weekday? How many of us live one way on a Sunday and very differently during the week? It is so important. Folks, as we close, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for us as a church, as a family of God here in Cape Coral, that you would have, all of us, each one of us, would have a radical, 
life-changing experience just like these guys did with the living Christ that you cannot come 2023, that you cannot, you simply cannot return to business as usual, life as usual, that it would be evident to all that you have seen Jesus, that you have heard from angels, and that you have experienced the glory of God. It's like the guy that walked into church a little bit late. The service was already finished. Folks were filing out. The pastor's out at the back door saying goodbye. He walks up to the pastor and says, Pastor, is it over? Is the service over? Pastor, well, the, the music's over and the preaching's over, but the service is just beginning. Folks, that out there is our service. If we don't have anything to say, if we don't have the passion for it with anything to say, they will never know the truth. It must be obvious that you have been changed, that you have heard this powerful message, that you are on mission for God, and that your life exhibits this praising and glorifying lifestyle that we see here in the shepherds. That is our call, and that is my prayer for you and for me. Are you with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you. For guys like the shepherds, these are most unexpected heroes. And yet, God, they were able to recognize what a powerful, life-changing message could do in the life of a simple human being. God, this room is full of plain, simple, normal folk. But God, with your power and your passion and this incredible message, God, we can change the world. God, use us. Allow us to be your messengers in Cape Coral and Florida, United States, and all over the world. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.